0: Chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. We started a new series last week on Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. The title of the series is Amazingly Able. We're going to look at these verses uh, for several weeks, and we saw last week as we introduced it that the theme is Praise God, He is Amazingly Able. For everything that happens in your life uh, today and from now on. So we're going to look at that this morning. So Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 to 21. And let's read it and uh, you listen for the Holy Spirit as he speaks today. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him. Be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I said a minute ago, God is amazingly able. His ability, His ability. Everybody say His ability. His ability is far more important than what we perceive ours to be. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went to uh, North Carolina to the Billy Graham Training Center for uh, for a retreat, time of refreshment, and 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 um, and worship for myself. And I uh, got there a little bit early, and uh, so I, I, I like to walking. So I found a trail nearby. There, it actually is a three mile trail right behind the Billy Graham Training Center that goes up a mountain and. Pretty close to three miles back down the mountain. And uh, <laughs> that's not the trail I walked. I didn't have time to do that the first day I got there, but I found a trail. It was right along the side of a river. And uh, so I was walking on and it was really, really uh, a nice place. Quiet river going there, and there's some fields and things there. Saw a flock of turkeys off to the right. And uh, no, I didn't shoot them. I didn't have a gun. It was kind of a you know, going to one of those kind of things. So anyway, I was walking along, and it, and it came to a road, a bridge going over the river. And as I walked under the bridge, it, the, the trail got really narrow. I mean, like really narrow. I mean, it got like this narrow. And uh, the concrete embankment came down from the bridge like that. And so I had to kind of put one foot on the concrete embankment thing, you know, and did kind of the ninja thing. And I know when you look at me, you think ninja. <laughs> yeah. And so I kind of did that thing, and, uh, and I, I got, well, that's, that's really kind of a narrow trail right there. You know, like they'd made a little bit wider. And so when I got on the other side, um, it went up a hill, and there was a fence. There was one on the back, but I didn't pay attention to it. There was a fence there, and on the fence was a sign. And uh, it's hard to read. It's hard to read if you put it on the screen, please. It's hard to read that sign, but the sign says, no access under the bridge. See, the trail actually forked. I was supposed to go up on the road <laughs> and cross over and then come back down. And so on the way back, I saw the I saw the sign, no access under the bridge. And so I could take to the left and go over the road like I was supposed to, or I could go back under the bridge. Which way do you think Barry went? Under the bridge, yeah. Because that's what I do, you know. <laughs> it's the kind of things I do. And here's the thing: I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that. Now on the first time, if I, there was a wooden fence, if I had walked this way about 10 yards, I would have saw the sign, but I, you know, I didn't know. I didn't want to go that way. I wanted to go this way. And here's what I want to connect that to this morning. Sometimes, if you don't know you can't do something, you can do it. <laughs> and what I want you to see this morning is God's power can enable you to do things you didn't really know you could do. He can enable you to do do things you didn't think about doing, didn't dream about doing, didn't know you were even supposed to do. You can do things that people tell you you can't do, that Satan will whisper to you that you can't do. But here's the thing, God is amazingly able to do in you things that will glorify him. It's not about being spiritual superstars. It's not about doing things that people say, oh, man, how great you are. Man, what a great Christian you are. You're pretty amazing. No, it's it's not that. It's not it at all. It's that God is getting glory for himself because you're doing things that people don't expect you to do and think that was kind of your thing. And what I want you to see today is the first word of that verse, and that's the word now. Everybody say now. Now. That's the word we're going to look at today. The first word is now. It's a connecting word. It's a bridge word. What what Paul does is he takes what he's been writing, big theological stuff. Some of the most glorious truths in Scripture are in Ephesians 1 through 3. And he's fixing to make application and uh, verse chapters four through six, to say that because God has done this in and for you, live this way. And the bridge between what God is and what God's like and what God has done in us and us obeying Him, this is the bridge. Okay, it's called a doxology. The word doxology uh, comes from two words. Uh, one word means glory, and the other word means to speak. Now, when I say doxology, some of you think about the song we sing a lot of times on Sunday nights, don't you? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. It is speaking God's praise. Anything that's a doxology is speaking God's praise. This, in Ephesians 3, is a doxology. It's one of the reasons why I've encouraged you to try to remember this. Now, what are the, some, some of the truths that God has told uh, the church in Ephesus through Paul is that he chose us before the foundation of the world. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. This is every Christian. This is you. Even though you didn't know it, may not have asked for it, it's still you. He has forgiven you through the blood of Jesus Christ. When you and I were dead in our trespasses and sins, God saved us. By his grace, made us alive together with Jesus, sealed us in the Holy Spirit, and seated us in heavenly places. Paul has written some extravagant truths. And now, what he wants to do is this he wants us to move from extravagant truths to an extravagant prayer. A prayer that we can pray, trust, and believe that God's going to answer in our. Lives and Paul is talking about, he's amazingly able for your now. So, I wonder what your now is like. The Ephesians had a now, they had some difficult things. We've uh, talked about it last week, we talking about it on Wednesday night. There was a riot there against Paul. Uh, there's an t- extremely immoral city, it's an extremely uh, idolatrous city. It was really, really a tough, tough place to be a Christian. And Paul says, Now, not later, not when things calm down, not when the city doesn't persecute you anymore, but he's saying now. So let me ask you a question right right now. What does your now look like? What are you living in in your now? Your now may be piled with bills that you're wondering how you're going to pay. Your now may be a marriage that you're wondering how it's going to work out. You're now maybe polluted by a particular sin or habit pattern you're addicted to or having a hard time getting out of. You're, you're now uh, maybe, just maybe the humdrum of life. Just kind of the vanilla rhythm of life and it's kind of like as exciting as you want it to be. This, this time today is where God wants to work in my life and God wants to work in your life. Not tomorrow, not when things calm down. Not when things get better, not when things get more exciting, but now. So here's your weekly growth suggestion for the week. Here's your weekly growth suggestion I want to encourage you to think about and pray about. Will you take your now and declare God is enough? Ha, you might want to say it to somebody. You might want to say it to your spouse, you might want to say it to your child, you might want to say it to a friend of yours. And when you declare that Jesus is Lord right now, Jesus is Lord in this time. And then, as I said last time, I know some of you are going to think, well, I just can't memorize that. My memory is not that good. It'll do you good to try. (laughs) Okay, if you spend time with it trying, you're you're filling your mind with God's Word, so so try to memorize, and as you memorize, it's not just memory, but think about what these verses are saying, and let it settle down into your heart, because we tend to think, "Mm, not today. Not us, not here, not in this kind of situation. But as I said, now's the connecting word from God's ability to our present situation. Let me talk about three or four things this morning about our now. Because I don't know what your now is, but I know this. God is enough for your now. And it's easier for me to believe he's enough for your now than it is for me to believe he's enough for mine, right? It's easier for you to believe he's enough for mine than enough for yours. So, first of all, your now may be a difficulty. You're now maybe a difficult now. You're, not, you're now maybe a now that you'd really like to pass on. You'd really like to say, no, I'd rather not have this one. I'd rather this one kind of move on. And, you would, and if you could, you would have already taken care of that relationship problem, taken care of those bills, taken care of that sin, taken care of that trauma, taken care of that emotional thing you're dealing with. You'd already have done that. But here's the thing. The difficult now show us that we need to depend, Roland, right? We need to depend on God. Why? Because we can't do it by ourselves, but he can do it through us, okay? One of the Ephesians' difficult nows is this, this was a church made up of Jews and Gentiles. And Jews and Gentiles in Paul's day, uh, two different races, they're in the same church, and they've never been together before. They, they don't do things together, okay? They hate the ground that each other walk on. I mean, think about when Peter went to Cornelius' house, and he's like, y'all, you know, I've never been in a Gentile's house before. We don't go here. We don't get Gentile cooties. You know, this is this is not something that we do. And the very idea, the very idea that Jews and Gentiles would, would get along And respect each other. And not only just get along. And he's not talking about tolerating each other. He's talking about loving each other. As brothers and sisters. Man, these these hostilities ran so deep for so long. There had never been a politician that ran on a Jew and Gentile platform. (laughs) My platform is Unite the Jews. They didn't mingle anywhere. And Paul says, "Now you're in the same church, and you're in the same you're, you're, you're brothers and sisters now. In fact, Ephesians two fourteen, Paul's going to show them, Jesus has changed everything. Look at two, Ephesians two fourteen. The message: the Messiah, that's Jesus. Everybody said that's Jesus. We knew that already. Has made things up between us. He, he's made it. He, he, we've made up so that now we're together on this. Both Jewish outsiders." and non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. He tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. You see, he's not just saying we ought to have peace. He's saying there is peace. Christ, whatever stood in between us, loving each other, living together with each other, Christ has torn it down. It's gone out of the way. He's not just prescribing peace. He's proclaiming. This is what God has done. And these guys who have not gotten along, not had anything to do with each other since hundreds of years, Christ solved all of that. And not only so they, they're working through this now. This is all this is so new to these guys. Paul had a now too, didn't he? Paul writes this from prison. Paul's been persecuted. Uh well, one person said. Paul, when Paul wrote this glorious sentence, he was under a sentence himself. Probably for as much as around two years. He was locked up for serving Jesus. And he writes, he writes now. While he's in prison. Not when he gets out. Not before he went there. In prison, he wrote, now, Priscilla Schauer wrote it this way, Paul experienced and exclaimed the ability of God and his limited mobility, the greatness of God amid his tightly trapped existence, the awesome presence of God amidst this frustrating lack of freedom. You see, we've got to learn to connect God's presence to right now, God's power to right now, God's mission for right now. Somebody say right now. You see, if God has allowed it, he can use it. He can use it for his glory. He can use it to make you more like Jesus. A lot of times he uses it to bring us to dependence upon him. But, boy, boy it's, now's the time to worship, right, Rhonda? Now, come, now is the time to worship. One commentator wrote it this way. He said, John 10:10 is a great verse, right? Come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Lars says that's life with a capital L, right? Life of the capital L, and he said, "That's for me." He said, "The problem is, we tend to think that's for me when I get past this obstacle, when I fix this relationship, when that person quits being a jerk. They may not. <laughs> You're praying for them not to be a jerk at Thanksgiving, aren't you? If they've been a jerk last Thanksgiving. Probably gonna be what again, right? My kids start behaving. Now, you see, my kids never misbehaved." <laughs> No, that's, that's that's gonna be a long you know, you know, we're all God's kids and we all still misbehave, don't we? Yeah, so that's not gonna happen either. My emotions calm down, my health improves, I lose the weight. We're really not gonna wait that long, are we? <laughs> lose the weight. Uh, Get married, retire, have children, the children get out of diapers, the children get into school, the children get out of school, (laughs) the children go away, you want the children to come back. There's always something that that needs to happen. There's always something that you want to be different. But here's the deal. This is the only day you got. If we're not going to live in the presence and power of God and speak His praise today, chances tomorrow are not real great. It's now. It's that, well, I really want to burn that word into all of our hearts. It, it is right now that we can experience the presence and, and person of God. I was listening to or uh, reading a book by a guy named John Avant. John Avant uh, used to pastor uh, Southern Baptist churches. He directs the uh, Life Action Ministry these days. and He said he was talking to a friend of his who went to a different church. And uh, and John wasn't trying to get him to join his church. He was just a, just a friend. And so they were talking, and the guy said... I think I'm going to join your church. And John said, well, how come? He said, well, he said, I have cancer. And John knew that. He said, I've been going through this cancer thing. And he said, I was sitting in church the other Sunday, me and my family. And he said, our pastor said this. I believe in God, but I do not believe God is involved in our everyday affairs. And he said, John can't stay there I've got cancer I need God now I need God here I, I need a God who's I know you believe God's involved in everyday affairs I need God in this time right now if God's not involved now when is he going to get involved so first of all you're difficult now the second one is you're dull now everybody say dull yeah sometimes i about your humdrum days your average days vanilla days. not every day is terribly exciting you know some days you would like to have a little bit more excitement. You're not the in prison for preaching the gospel kind of excitement so much, you know, but the vacation to Disneyland kind of excitement, the vacation anywhere but Disneyland kind of, <laughs> kind of. It depends on what your level of excitement you want to deal with and what your kind of thing is. But sometimes we just kind of have everyday, average kind of days, you know, when you're doing laundry, when you're washing the dishes, when you're walking to class, you're driving to town, eating lunch, watching the news by yourself, when uh, when you sit around the house at night talking to your family, when it's just kind of a regular, everyday, average day, you need God's presence and power in that moment. You know why? Because if you don't love people well in those days, you might make some really big mistakes. You might say some things, do some things, get sideways with some people, that could really have serious repercussions in your repercussions in your life, and so in the dull now, if we're not careful, it's not exciting. Nobody's sick, you know. No, we're not. De- you know, not dependent on God for some great big miracle kind of thing. Well, we need to glorify God every day right? Even when it's not that exciting, people need to see that Jesus does call us to abundant life. Jesus does call us to an exciting life, but not every day jump up and down, hoot and holler kind of thing. Some days are just a little bit ordinary, and so we don't want to waste those days. Why? Because there's a lot of them. You don't want to waste those days because there's so many of those kind of days. When I was at my uh, retreat a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting at supper one one night they have big round tables and we eat supper together and I, of course I don't know anybody there but um I'm sitting at the table with these guys actually it was one guy and about four or five women and so they all introduced themselves to me I introduced myself to them and uh so they're all talking and uh, as men sometimes do the the guy leaned over and said I'm from Oklahoma <laughs> I'm from Alabama and so he starts talking, to me. he, he decides, he, I, I think he's rode with all these ladies. I think he wanted to talk to me for a while. So he starts talking to me. And so uh, he said, I used to be involved in a prison ministry. I said, really? I said, that's pretty cool. And he said, yeah, we school the prison ministry, and we do some things. And he said, uh, one of the biggest challenges we had is we didn't have anywhere to meet. And so we asked, and we got permission to build a chapel on the grounds of the prison. And of course the only thing is we'd have money to build a chapel on the prison. So they started doing fundraising, send out letters and talk to churches and things if anybody wanna to give to, to help build a chapel uh, on the prison ground so that they could have a place to worship God and share the gospel, things like that. And he said to me, he said, Do you wanna know where our first commitments came from? And I said, no, just mind your own business. No, actually I didn't say that. I didn't actually say that. I said, uh, sure. Yeah, I mean what else are you gonna say? I said, Sure, I love the uh where did the first ones come from? He said, the first ones came from former inmates that had either been saved or had reconnected to God during the prison ministry. And he said it was so precious. He said, because a lot of those first commitments that came in said, I want to be a part. I pledge $1 a month toward the building of the chapel. He said, I had once that I pledge $0.75 cents a month. For the building of the chapel. Why? they have been in prison. They weren't able to make much money. It was hard for them to find a job. But, but in the monotonous part of their life, you know, I mean, they were out of jail, didn't have a great job, wasn't making a whole lot of money. But in that time, they were like, what? I want to make the most of this time. I can't give a 1000 but I can give $0.75 cents a month, which was probably a really big deal for the person that made that kind of commitment. Third thing is the delightful now. The delightful now. Uh, when things are going to really hard, as your pastor, I hope today is just an extremely happy day for you. I want you to be happy. I, want, I, I was reading this week where the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1 that God anointed Jesus with the oil of joy above all of his brethren. I thought, Lord, I want that for me and hope well. Just the more joy. I want that for you as your pastor. I want to see you and your family experience joy as much as you can. And if it's true, today you're having a great, great day, invite God into that. Look what James 5.13 says. Is anyone happy? What are you supposed to do? Sing songs of praise. Sing songs of praise. Recognize that your joy and your happiness and the good times are a gift. Everybody say gift. They're a gift from God. And you know what can happen in your happy times and your good times? You can stray if you're not careful. You can stop depending on God. You can kind of think you got this thing figured out. Uh, Sometimes when I think, man, you know, I think my Christian life's going pretty, of course, I don't even like the word Christian life. My relationship with Jesus, I like a lot better than Christian life. But sometimes I think, you know, things are going pretty well. I I, I think I'm walking in the Spirit today. And then something bad happens, I realize. Oh, see, I was just had good, good circumstances. <laughs> anyway, walking in the Spirit so much, is things just going really, really well. So when your things are going great for you, say, God, I want to praise you for this. I want to rejoice in you. I want to give you honor for this. That's why I really, and if you do this, please don't take this as criticism. It might be, but you don't have to take it that way. <laughs> Sometimes I say what? The doctor's report came back so good. And I say in my heart, sometimes I say it out loud if I know him well enough. I say, Don't knock on wood. That wood didn't help you. I say, praise the Lord. Praise God for what he did. So I, I've, I've tried to do this, and I'm terrible at it. I'm terrible at this, but I've done it a little bit better the last week. I try to find something I can take a picture of every day. And then I look at it in my quiet time the next morning and I say, God, thank you. Thank you for this good thing, this good gift you gave me yesterday. Here's one I had just this past week. How about isn't that a good isn't that a gift of God? That's sunset. Some of y'all recognize that. that's right out there. That's what I'm walking in the evening. Beautiful, beautiful sunset. Love that. And so I took a picture of it and I was praising God for it the next day. Here's another one. What are you laughing at? Everybody say all? Yes, Hannah Grace and her cat, man. And so I, I, I sent Hannah Grace a text, and I said, I said I'm said, i taking a picture of something or someone I'm thankful for every day. Send me a picture of you. So she sent me a picture of her and her cat. And uh, I love it, love it, love it, love it. Here's another one. This is three miles up the mountain behind the Billy Graham Training Center, okay? And uh, it's just a glory. I love something about mountains. Some of you do, 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 do sand and the beach and that, and that kind of that your place of praising God. I'm a mountain guy. I love the mountains. Uh, here's another one. Hey, hey, Hannah Grace and Joel going to the Troy football game. Hannah Grace got him a Troy shirt, and uh, so he'd have a Troy shirt. He goes to LBW, but uh, I love it when my, when, my, when my son and my daughter get along, and they they're they usually do, and they're having a fun time, a fun Saturday together. Uh, so Wednesday night I was looking for one, I came over here Wednesday night. I so said, I'm going to find one Wednesday night. I'm going to find me something that I can praise God for tomorrow. So here's from last Wednesday night. I asked the people, I say, hey, I'm time to take a picture of somebody or something I'm thankful for. I said, Kimbrough, can I take your picture? <laughs> and so uh, brought a lot of joy to my heart in the middle of that. See, see, if you're not in the happy times, you don't want to mess up in the happy times. One of our early dates, Laura and I went to a place called Copelands of Louisiana. Louisiana seafood restaurant. Fried shrimp, fried catfish, crab claws. Seafood platters, fried seafood platters, yeah. And so I got catfish Acadiana, fried catfish, shrimp butter sauce over the top of it, with little baby shrimps on the top of it, with shrimp creole rice right there. And Laura ordered eggplant. I said, Eggplant? She said, Yeah, I want want some eggplant. why do you want eggplant? We're we're at a seafood restaurant. She's like, well, I like eggplant. I said, but we're at a seafood restaurant. We're at a Louisiana seafood restaurant, and you're ordering a gourd. And she said, well, can I have it? I said, I'm not sure. And I mean, dear, no. We were having a Best time, I like to derail the whole relationship right there in the middle of a great time. Watch it in your happy times. you got to praise God. Last of all, I want to look at the doable now. There are some things that are doable now that won't be doable a week from now. There's some things that are doable now that won't be doable six months from now, or five years from now, or ten years from now. Now's the day to experience God. Why? There comes a day when that's not possible. Look at uh, Numbers 14, verse 40 to 45. By the way, the New International Translation, New International Version, the word now appears around 1,200 times. 1,200. Everybody say 1,200. And the word later appears around 80 times. So early, this is when uh, God had told Moses and the children of Israel to go into the promised land. They sent out a, a, a reconnaissance team. Twelve guys go out. there. They're not to see if they're going in. They just go in to look at the land. They're not, to make, they're not to talk about that, but they do. So early the next morning, they set out for the highest point in the hill country. saying, So what happens is they come back. Let me set the tone a little bit better. They come back. Ten of them said, ah, bad idea. We can't do this. Two of them said, it, they got big guys there, it's going to be tough, but we can do it because God told us to do it. So God's going to enable us to do it. And the people decided not to go in. They tended to, 2, they were wrong. How many of you know the majority can be wrong? Tended to, 2, they were wrong. And so uh, the next day, they decided, oh, we were wrong, we're going to change it up. Early the next morning, they set out for the highest point in the hill country and now we're ready. Now we're ready to go up to the land of the Lord promised. Surely, we have sinned. But Moses said, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This is not going to succeed. Don't go up. The Lord's not with you. You'll be defeated by your enemies. For the Amalekites and Canaanites will face you there because you have turned away from the Lord. He will not be with you. Aren't you glad you live in the New Testament and the Holy Spirit is been sealed by the Holy Spirit. He'll never leave you. And you'll fall by the sword. Nevertheless, in their presumption, we can do this anytime we want to. They went up toward the highest part of the hill country, though neither Moses nor the ark of the Lord's covenant, symbolic of his presence, moved from the camp. And the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that country came down and attacked them and beat them down all the way to Horma. You see, when we get disobedient and we say, not not now, Lord, not now, later, sometimes your sin's going to beat you down, right? See, see too often we're guilty of saying, not now, Lord, then. Not now. When when, when this happens, not now, but later, when, the, when something's better and I feel better and I get better and I'm more spiritual, then I'll start having my quiet time. And then I'll have family devotion time. And then I'll start sharing my faith. Then I'll start, I'm going to sell out for God one day, then, but not now. But, guys, I want to plead with you today. Obey God now. This is the time to do. John A. Van, as I mentioned him a minute ago. I was reading in a book where he was talking about uh, when he was in high school, he loved music. Loved music. And uh, he said he was in a, a rock band. This was years ago. It was probably back like in the 1970s or so. And uh, he and some of his buddies formed a little rock band with a real spiritual name called White Lightning. <laughs> it wasn't a gospel band. <laughs> it's a rock band. And he said one night a guy named David showed up and they wanted to come jam with him, you know, and play around with him. So he, he said, man, David was just such a cool guy. You know, he had long hair. He had cool clothes. You know, he's kind of a hip guy. And, and so John said that he and David actually had chorus together at school. And uh, he said he wanted to be David's friend. David's cool. He wanted to be David's friend. David laughed, you know, he's real fun, real hip kind of guy, kind of kind of popular guy. And said at chorus, he would stand next to David. But he noticed that a lot of times during chorus, David looked distracted, and David looked sad. On that he could tell that when things weren't revolving around him that when he let down his guard that that David didn't look like he was doing so great. And so John said that the Holy Spirit began to nudge him. Share your faith with David. Reach out to David. And John said, not today, Lord. Not today. And he kept thinking about it. He he would do it one day, but he was afraid David might make fun of him. David was cool. They, They might make fun of him. He may tell other people that he's kind of religious, that kind of thing. And so he said he kept putting it off. And he said, the longer I put it off, the easier it became. And John graduated high school, went to college. And it was there that he found out that David had taken his own life. And he said, I would give anything for one more opportunity, for one more now to be able to share with David what he didn't have and I had, but instead I became the epitome of selfishness, of selfishness. Would you stand please with heads bowed, and eyes closed, no one looking around. As you pray this morning, nobody looking around. What's your now? It might be really difficult now, right now. Maybe if you just a little bit dull, maybe things just kind, of, just kind of ho-hum. Maybe it's really happy time for you. But you have opportunity today to see the amazingly able God work in your now if you'll surrender it to Him. Come to Jesus and say, Lord, I give by now to you. I will obey you. I'm going to look to you. I'm going to expect that you're your amazingly able handle today this now no one looking around if you've never been saved, this is the best time you can ever have to be saved if you need to rededicate your life this is the best time to do that if you need to kneel at an altar and surrender a burden to Christ this is the best day to do that, God is God of now Satan's the God of later and so Father I pray right now I pray right now you speak in our hearts. speak to our hearts. Help us to hear you, obey you. I pray for a refreshing touch of the Holy Spirit for our now. Talk to God. If you want to come kneel to the